Ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you, Mr. E. Welcome Thank to the show, have. everybody. What? I didn't I didn't clap that time. I noticed. I noticed. That's right. That's all, I'm over it. No more clapping for you. Oof. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank it feels you. weird not to clap Thank after you. that intro. It sounds so like Johnny Carson now, like a live audience and just like great. Thank you. So yes, Bruce Buffer was my inspiration for that. Who? Is that the the boxing fans around the world? Is that the let's get ready to rumble? Yeah, let's get ready to rumble guy. Yeah, he has that trademark. You pro- don't say that anymore. You may have to pay him. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say that for sure. I mix it up just enough. Max, are you but, familiar with microplastics? Of course. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Can you tell us well, a little I mean, bit about them? Well, I think uh, it's in the name, right? It's plastic that is micro, so that's what I know about them. And supposedly they're bad for the ocean, and there's a lot of it. Correct, yeah. That, that's all I know, really. I thought that was like a setup. I wasn't sure, but yeah, that's <laughs> all I know about them, really, that they're, that they're out there and they're bad. Yeah, they are uh, plastic particles that are smaller than five millimeters, and they're everywhere. And rainwater collects them and drags them down streams and gutters out to the ocean, where they collect into, you know, uh, swirling masses of uh, trash islands that that you hear about out there. That's what that's my retirement plan is a trash island somewhere. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> Do you have one picked out already? Hey, they're they're a moving like island, you know. They aren't in one spot, so it's kind of he's in the process of creating it. Yeah, I'm not making some moves, <laughs> trying to find it. Yeah, making. I'm getting some contacts, you know, putting my feelers out there. I want one that I can kind of fit, like maybe two boats on. I'm, I'm thinking industrious, but anyway, I'm sorry. Two boats. Back to microplast. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. One. One. I want an emergency boat, and then the main boat. Like rowboats, man. I'm not talking about yachts and shit. I'm like little rowboats on my trash island. I need, I need like a, like a trash island mini boat to kind of go do fishing, I guess, on my little trash island, and then the the main boat to get to the shore for my supplies of like booze and marijuana and stuff. So this is off topic. Yeah, forget about food and whatnot. But this is a bit off topic. But a guy in Mexico, I think, built a trash island. He lashed together a bunch of. Um, I want to say they were the uh, like Arrowhead Spring five gallon. Water bottles. He lashed them together and created just a giant island in, in the middle of some body of water. I want to say like a lake or something, and that's where he lives. No, I believe it. I believe it. It's very industrious and very possible. It's just wacky. Yes. Yes. So this story is about a stream in Germany. It's the Brexbach stream in Bendorf. And uh, Bendorf. Okay, love it. <laughs> and like a dog name. Right in here, I wrote down Bendorf Town because I felt like it deserved a town. Just sounds like a weird European name, like Bendorf. Get over here, Bendorf. <laughs> God damn it, get that out of your mouth, Bendorf. <laughs> We're all out of Bendorf license plates, Bendorf. Yeah. Bort, come, come along, Bort. Are you talking to me? No, my son is also named Bort. <laughs> so uh, inside this stream, scientists found a type of caddis fly that uh, has been using microplastics to build its cone that it lives in. Oh, wow. Right? I think that's so it's interesting. Like, yeah, it's using like man-made products. It's almost like Dar- Darwinism right there without realizing it. I'm not sure if it's a conscious choice, but it's using such a good building material that it probably you know, lasts longer, so therefore the bugs will probably live longer, and then that's more successful. Yeah, I mean... Their species. I'm sorry, I got a little distracted. I saw Mr. E take a shot, and it, it looked like it was just garbage. What happened there? <laughs> oh, man. I'm not I'm a whiskey just... guy, man. It was hard to put down. <laughs> it's cheap whiskey, so it burned pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so the, um, the caddisfly usually lives inside of a cone of sand, and instead they found it building with the microplastics. And so scientists mm. wanted to see why, how, blah, 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 just learn more about this. And uh, so they took some from the stream and back to the lab, where they, <laughs> the I think the article says they used a probe to gently nudge it out of its cone, and then they okay. re- and then they removed the cone, and um, you know using a control where they gave one of them just sand, they gave uh, the test subjects sand and microplastic, and out of 
the actually the insects preferred plastic to sand 79% of the time. Yeah, they could tell it's way better. Well, it was they think that they probably preferred it because it was lighter and easier to maneuver rather than okay. big hunks of land which are denser and whatnot. That makes sense. Even the weaker bugs could be more successful and maybe move in the sands and stuff so they can kind of get more production done. Yeah. So, uh, but there are some drawbacks in that. (laughs) They all die. They keep ingesting the plastic and they're all dead. Actually, yeah. Unlike most of these animals that are ingesting the plastic unwittingly, uh, these guys are not doing that. They're actually making use of it. But their cocoons are now like, hyper colored so they're like clear plastics blue plastics all sorts of you know funky plastics and then uh on top of that they're weaker structures oh really yeah oh no right so they're more likely to be eaten up by trout or uh so the opposite of like darwin things happening where they're actually getting killed more because their houses suck well that is a potential to the story yeah they were also saying how crucial they were to the ecosystem but yeah i feel like you pull any cog out of that and you get consequences so yeah the ecosystem's kind of a delicate anything (laughs) that happens i was like you're gonna fucking blow the whole planet up don't fuck that up yeah exactly i wanted to try to pronounce the scientific name here i tried it once and i was like oh sean you gotta save this for air okay let's hear this so it's the lepid ostoma bacilli Sounds legit to me. Yep, not saying that again. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please don't say that again, ever. In fact, I ban it from the show. Don't ever do that particular phrase. Bas, yeah. Mr. E, please add that to the list of things. Can't be ever said on the show ever. That list is growing, I know. You got it, Chief. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Band it. Band it. <clears throat> well, Sean, you like to lick stuff, right? Oh my gosh, that was my name in high school. Yeah, <laughs> don't the, I know it. The liquor. <laughs> the liquor. Well, this technology is for you then, because evidently a, a researcher in Japan has created something he, that he describes as a taste display. That, what the hell does that mean, a taste display? It can artificially recreate any flavor by triggering the five different tastes on a user's tongue. So, okay, there's a lot to unpack. So... There's only five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what... That's the amount yeah, these people yeah, are using? Much. Yeah, I mean, there's like the, the sweet, the salty, the bitter, the, what is it, umami flavor, and there's another one. Let's see. Acidic. Sweet, acidic, salty, ah. and bitter. And then the fifth one's the umami one. And there was actually some misinformation out there. Like, for a while, everyone's like... I remember even doing this in, in science class. That's how old we are that... Like, oh, if you do this part of the tongue, that is your sugar part. You see how you taste the sugar there? And then here's this something acidic or salty or whatever. It, it only tastes this part of the tongue. And now we've figured out that's bullshit. It's just the tongue everywhere will taste salt and sugar and sweetness and stuff. And so you can just walk up to this thing, lick it. You can program like, hey, I want a cherry pie. And you just you, you lick whatever the fuck this thing is i mean the answer is supposedly but again this is still a prototype and i and he's only like i've only heard two flavors that i've read into so far but i think that is what it's supposed to be so eventually like what does this thing look like it kind of looks like um you know it's funny that's like the last thing i looked into the last second i was reading it and i was like i should get to find a picture and there was a youtube picture right there and the whole time in my mind i thought i was like uh because I figure they're trying to do it for cell phones, right? Like, it's going to be a, a lick display on your cell phone. You just go, ah, and then you can taste, like, the, you know, the lemons or whatever on it. But it looks kind of like a tube. And the tube, like, the end of it is, like, electrodes and stuff, and you put it on your tongue. So I, I, so in order like to this, taste like the tube. rainbow, I need to wrap my tongue around some long shaft? Is that what you're telling me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, right. and suck out the juice that comes out. Okay. It's actually a gel is how it's made. And so, oh yeah, so the guy who created it, here, here's my, I'm going to try to pronounce his name now. Um, it's creator, Homiai Miyashita. <laughs> he calls it the Noromaki Synthesizer. Ooh, and he, that's it, fun. It is inspired by eyes because he's, he was saying that basically, you know, when you're looking at a display, 
it's does doesn't technically exist it's all microscopic pixels made of red green and blue elements and different degrees and variation that all kind of make up what you see yeah and so that's the same idea with maybe programming the tongue thing where he knows there's five senses on the tongue the salty sweet uh acid umami and whatever the other fucking one i didn't say and you you put it on your tongue and bitter thank you you're gonna put on your tongue and then the stuff it's there's like a gel and i this is what i couldn't figure out there's like a gel of some sort because how it works is like these gels and they were supposed to mimic these tastes in a way, but it's, but it's not like you're just looking at this gel. So that'd be like a misnomer. So now the gel is transferring. Oh no, here's the word. The gel is triggering the flavor taste. So when you're licking this thing and there's this gel that's somehow triggering either if it's salty or sweet or something, and then they do varying degrees of that to synthesize different flavors. Huh? Okay. So, if that makes any sense of my <laughs> rambling, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so theoretically, you could use this gel and mix it together to create any flavor, really? I don't know. In theory? Yeah, you can do I don't that? Know. And so, yeah, so like I said, when the device is pressing against the tongue, the user experiences all five tastes at the same time. And, uh, oh yeah, so here's some of the flavors they've made. They've done a gummy candy flavor, and then they said a sushi flavor. And that's all they mentioned so far. But in theory, they can. I'm sure it tastes like shit. I'm sure it tastes like shit, and they're breaking it pretend like, oh, it's so great. It tastes just like sushi. They're really challenging themselves with that gummy flavor using gels. I know it's just like sugar. I like they just put a bunch of sugar on it. Like, yeah, this does taste like uh, sugar. I'm so shocked. But you know, this is just the first wave of this type of technology, and in theory, this could lead to. Other cool things, hopefully. Uh, the, the guy was saying that it's uh, the prototype is a bit bulky. So, like, it always showed, like, this copper tube, basically, that the guy was, like, looking the end of. But I'm sure, and all these, like, you know, things at the end. But I'm sure it's, like, probably connected to a huge computer and industrial fucking huge machine. He's like, oh, it's a little bulky. But uh, we can miniaturize it down. And so they're saying they can maybe make it into, um, into, like, a vape, basically. So instead of vaping and having the smoke flavor, you would, uh, he said it would recreate the satisfying feeling of eating a piece of chocolate or drinking a milkshake without having to ingest a single calorie. Nice. Do I have to get on my knees to suck the uh, gel out of this tube or what? Yeah, yeah. And then like this this robotic hand touches the back of their head ever so lightly. <laughs> it helped coax the gel in. And <laughs> I was thinking, though, in the future, this is going to be like a porn thing where you can actually eat virtual ass. Oh, my God. God, why would you want the flavor of that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to eat. I'm, this isn't for me. But I know, like you know, millennials, which we are, I guess. Are we? I don't know. I hate that term. But whatever that is, isn't that the whole thing? Like everyone, like younger people are eating ass now, and that's like the meme. So this could like <laughs> you could like eat ass intercontinent. Like you could eat someone's ass in Africa, and not even get any AIDS or anything. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Oh, is that bad? There are AIDS in Africa. <laughs> That's a good thing. Now, if you have a venereal disease, you can still eat ass. We talked about the COVID thing. They actually, the CDC said you can't eat ass because I guess there could be COVID on your ass. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Now you can eat even ass during the COVID thing. Yeah. That time the government advised not eating ass. Yeah, dude, it was all over. It was on Reddit. It was like the CDC thing. Like the <laughs> CDC does not advise on you know oral oral to, to anus <laughs> anal feasting. Uh, anal feasting is uh, must can be kept to a bare minimum, only in emergencies. Can is that you your Obama? Me? That wasn't a half bad Obama. No, that's just my random. I don't know political man. <laughs> There's no. I have no. I don't. I have my own voices for things, but nothing like against different celebrities it's just like uh, my standard nerd i have the standard nerd voices like hi how you doing see what i can do a pirate one like yar everybody's got the pirate covered yeah <laughs> she's driving me nuts yeah <laughs> uh so speaking of weird technology ford has patented excuse me applied for the patent for a solar cocoon for a car Solar cocoon for a car. So okay, we have electric. Can I guess what it is? I'm to think what that is. What? Is that just to charge it? I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. We have okay. electric vehicles okay. now um, that run on a battery, but the reason we don't have solar panels in those vehicles 
is because it would be in, too inefficient. The surface area is too small, and so uh, it wouldn't charge the battery nearly enough. So mm -hmm. with our current solar panel technology, the idea is to expand that surface when it's not in use, that is. Okay. And so Ford's idea is to have some sort of you know, box on the top, and then when you get out of your vehicle and lock it or turn on the alarm or whatever, a umbrella essentially would cleverly, I'm assuming, unfold from that box and cover your car in solar panels, thus increasing the surface area and charging your battery more efficiently. Okay, and telling everyone which car to rob. <laughs> yeah. Well, that guy's got money. I mean, Let's get his car. Solar panels are, I mean, they're not fragile, but they're not strong, but they are fucking expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember we looked at, uh, we talked about solar panels all the time that there's like camping ones now that you can kind of put together and just throw out there and charge cell phones and stuff on them. Yes. So the fact that you kind of just like cover your whole car in it makes sense. Although I like the artistic, like it's going to be there all the time and like neatly fold up perfectly. Like, like, is that going to, I wonder how that's going to work. That's like the like drapes or something. Well, like I, I'm imagining something like NASA and how they fold up their uh, satellites and wings, and they have these like just these crazy patterns that collapse in on themselves in mm. the most intricate origami ways, and then expand into whatever it's trying to be, three dimensional or not. How long would it take to like charge the car, or is that just just kind of a little something something like you just charge it for ten minutes? When you go to the grocery store or something, then. Well, you know, I don't have the metrics here, but they've always said that a, so there's a Hyundai Sonata here hybrid that has panels on the top, but it's a hybrid. So it's not, it's not enough. Even if you leave it out in the sun all day, it's not going to be enough to sustain it. You can probably get a couple miles on it, but ultimately you're going to need to supplement it with, you know, some other source of energy. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows if, if they can really optimize the space they're going to take up because, you know, there's a lot of surface area to a car. Yeah. So if you can optimize that with as many solar panels as you can find or stick on there, I don't know. Who knows? I bet it takes like 20 minutes for it to deploy. So someone's like going oh, to go get some coffee. Like, okay, let me just go to the car really quick. And it does it automatically starts unfolding and you get there and come back. It's still folding up like, oh, I can't stop the process <laughs> until I turn it, let it do its run its course. Then I can reverse it. And then 40 minutes later, you just get in your car. Just get going. Have you ever known anybody with a convertible? A convertible car? Yeah, I know what a convertible is. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking. That's called a thinking pause. And I was almost feeling bad. Like, I think I can't think of anyone. My my bad person. I don't know anyone with a convertible. Well, it, so it, it's a novelty for most people. And I don't have a convertible. I'd never driven a convertible personally. But uh, my girlfriend had a convertible for a while there, Broomhilda. And... Mm -hmm. You know, every time I got it and I was like, oh, let's pop the roof. And she's like, no, I'm fucking way over that because it <laughs> takes forever. It's like this this whole three minute adventure when you first get into your car. And like, who has time for that shit? Oh, really? OK. It's so like putting on your seatbelt, yeah. you know? Yeah. I feel like the novelty would wear off. It would just become this thing on top of your car. Unless it was just like some bam, it just goes on, goes off really quick, like vacuum quick. Maybe they could do some kind of like sliding thing on your windows. Just when you're about to leave the car, like like instead of turning your windows up, you just turn like another switch that puts the solar panels up really quick on your windows. If you had that car, that you'd have to park like the farthest away from everybody in the parking lot just to get that space for the sunlight to hit it. You'd have to. And plus, I'd be so paranoid of people fucking with it. People would love to fuck with it. That's why you just like put some like anime titties or something on it when you put it up <laughs> through the window so everyone's like i don't want to get near that car <laughs> that car looks weird but it's really the t anime titties are really like the like the titties are uh what do you call them satellite dishes just getting just absorbing the the energy the free energy that, that we're just getting lost out there bro so i was rummaging around your attic the other day max and i found i actually overheard this story did you know uh oh really hitler's crocodile died <laughs> Uh, 
So that way you figured that out through my attic. Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, I did not know that. I did not know that. It was his alligator. It was his alligator. I didn't realize he had one. And that's how long do alligators live? Jesus. Shouldn't his alligator have died a long time ago? So, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, alligators in the wild tend to live around 50 years. Uh huh. This alligator was 83 years old. Excuse me, 84. Oh, wow. But that's not, so the, it- that's not the oldest alligator either. The oldest alligator, uh, Guinness Records, is, I want to say, Muja, and it's in its 90s at the Belgrade Zoo. Muja. Muja. <laughs> is that thing just, you think it's still, does it still kill things, or do you think it's just being kept alive? I'm, that's something I'd be curious. Like, is he just sitting there like, I want to die, or are they just like feeding it, or does it still hunt and actively be it? be an alligator you know kill me <laughs> and, uh, what does the alligator sound like me. <laughs> all right so uh let me find what was his name was wait this, this is a nazi alligator why is this thing being kept alive shouldn't we killed it or war crime it or something that thing probably ate some things it shouldn't have eaten i knew you'd go there <clears throat> i'm just saying like that thing's a nazi <laughs> <laughs> the zoo said Animals are not involved in war and politics. It is absurd <laughs> to blame them for human sins. I don't care. That, that was shit. complicit. It knew. <laughs> it knew. You can't so, untrain hatred. I wish it was as easy to stop hating as it was to start. Well, this guy's actually an American. This alligator? This alligator is? Yeah, he is was he stolen from America. He was born in America in 1936. So he's a traitor, too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Scumbag. Affected. <laughs> he was uh, shortly after his birth. He was gifted to the Berlin Zoo, and then oh, okay. a couple of years later, he was own, almost blown up during an air raid that destroyed the zoo in 1943. That's where he got his Nazi scar. <laughs> That's <right>. like crosses <laughs> one eye. Then he uh, he just kind of bummed around and couch surfed for three years, and then eventually ended up okay. in uh, the <laughs> Moscow Zoo. All right, all right. And then and from there he met Hitler or – No, no, no. <laughs> so somewhere along the way, it was either rumor or fact that um, this guy was <laughs> – This Perfect. guy was in uh, Hitler's private collection at the zoo. Could have happened or could, could not have happened at all. <laughs> I, think, I think we dance fact. on that line. I think that's what this what? show is all about. Yes, true. True. It's all about what ifs. But so this possible Hitler <laughs> alligator. Uh huh. How long did he, the Hitler, possibly know him for? Well, Years? I days? mean, he was there in 36 at the Berlin Zoo, and then it was destroyed in 43. What, Hitler died in 45? That's what, that's what the public knows. Right? Yeah. Mystery, are you looking that up? <laughs> 1945. Hey, 45. All right. So, I mean, he probably knew him for a while. And then maybe that's who he bummed around with. Because they don't really say where uh, Saturn, the alligator, spent his time after the zoo was blown up. Wait, that's his name? Saturn, yes. Saturn. Yes. The Hitler gator. I know, I'm sitting there like, the Nazi, the Nazi alligator, son of a bitch. The alley Hitler? Uh, yeah, I know. Because Hitler had like no friends, except this alligator. If this was his pet, he just... Wait, was there a, was there other Nazi animals? You said it was kept in a private whatever. There is a... Well, apparently he did have a private... Uh, I don't know. I want to say it's, it was a private collection within the zoo. Oh man! So there's other Nazi animals. Yeah, for sure. You got to smoke them out, you buddy. Find them. You got to find them and exterminate them. You know they all went to uh, where was it? Costa Rica? No, not Costa Rica. South America. Well, yeah, but where? What's that famous? Argentina? Oh, I think it's Argentina. Yeah, isn't that actually where all those twins and shit were? I don't know. What's that? I'm probably talking know, out my ass really, and offending some people. Here. Really, uh, we're getting way off off topic. So but either way, that being said, there, there was some Nazi scientists who like we went to a town and that town is like known for all the twins that come out of that town. Something weird. Yeah. Something weird. Those 
fucking those Nazi scientists. And then they, the, some of the best Nazi scientists, they went on to make Nat, uh, NASA took them. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yep. Uh, that's, that is what it is. <clears throat> <laughs> so he ended up in Moscow where he died. The end. The end. Well, actually, I want to go back to one of your, what you were just talking about earlier, because you were talking about producing electricity through solar panels oh, and stuff. Yeah. This new article I was reading was talking about a new way to produce electricity. Bum, bum, bum. On the show, I know we always focus on different ways to produce energy, because that seems to be the one of those things that if we can somehow produce a lot of energy, we could do a lot of cool things. That's sci-fi, too. Super- it seems like yeah. every hurdle to the Iron Man suit or to space travel or to absolute zero is always through the amount of energy they can pump into the project. Oh, yeah. Dude, we can freaking travel through time, but it's always like, we have enough energy. We can, you know, control the mass of the sun and this. So it's always about energy. Yeah. So here's a new way to make energy. I don't think it's going to be doing all that stuff, but it's still kind of a cool way. And I know in the past we talked about um, desalination energy where if like um, – a river flows into a salt ocean. Somehow people can generate energy from that. Hmm. So this is like a new weird, weird way, but I think I feel like it has like the same kind of idea where, uh, they created a device that can produce electricity from the shadows. Plain shadows, just any shadow. Uh, sort of. It basically, it's the contrast where half of it is in light and half of it's in shadow. And the fact that it's in these shadows can somehow produce like an electric charge type of deal. And I'll, I'll I'm going to, I'm going to read you how it's built. I'll read the words and I have no idea what it means, but I'm going to read them for you in case you do. But like, I've read it a couple of times. I'm like, I don't get how this is a thing, but it, okay. So anyway, so it's a device that um, exploits the contrast between bright spots and shade to create a current that can power small electronics. That's what this device is. And oh yeah, here's the, oh yeah, here's the scientist he's talking about. He goes, we can harvest energy anywhere on earth, not just open spaces, says Sui Ching Tan, a material scientist at the University of Singapore. Nice. So Tan and his team, they created this device, which is called the Shadow Effect Energy Generator. I'll say it again. The Shadow Effect Energy Generator. Boom. And now here's the part where I don't really know what it does, but maybe you'll understand. So here's how they made it. So, so by placing a super thin coating of gold on silicon, a typical solar cell material, period, sorry. So like in a solar cell, light shining on silicon energizes its, its electrons. With the gold layer, the shadow effect energy generator produces an electric current when part of the device lies in the shadow. The excited electrons jump from the silicone to the gold, and that somehow makes energy. <laughs> this is what I wrote. Like that somehow makes energy. <laughs> so if you if you follow that, good for you. I I kind of I mean I I know what gold and silicon is, and I know what a solar cell is. So it sounds like you know they somehow put gold and silicon together, and somehow there's the diff there's a shady part and a really light part, and that edge. It sounds like the, the it electrons attracts jump electrons. Yeah, somehow. And they said even the greater, like, the, the difference between the light and the shade, the more energy it could provide. Wow. And so they had – so it said the team with eight generators, the team ran an electric watch in low light. And then the device – oh, yeah, here's another cool thing. It said electric – yeah, it wasn't a low light mode or something. It was just electric watch. It was just in low light. So I guess somehow the contrast. But – um. This device can also serve as a sensor. When a remote-controlled car passed by, its shadow would fall on the generator, and that would create the electricity to light up an LED light. So almost the shadow of being like, so it's like a device, and if you put your, your it's almost like if you put your hand over it, it would light up because of the shadow on top of it. I don't know how or that, why still. I, yeah, I, I have so many questions, but uh, as you've expressed, like the science is beyond us. So... Did they say like potential uses for this in the future? And I'm, I guess what I'm really looking for is scalability. Can, is this thing more efficient than a solar panel? Well, here's what you're saying is like when you, when you have a big field of solar panels, there's still going to be some shade somewhere. So maybe that shade can now produce even more energy right there. Like it's now it's not, it's not, like a, not a waste of space. And he was yeah. saying like some days, uh, someday these generators might produce energy in the shadowy spots of the solar array. Or between skyscrapers, or maybe even inside. And then here's a well, I like this quote too. It goes, A lot of people think that shadows are useless, but anything can be useful, even shadows. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. I've never heard of like a shadow technology at all. Just, it's also the yeah. idea that shadows could possibly do something is pretty interesting, but 
so far it sounds like it took look it took eight generators to do a, a watch so it's obviously it's not it's not there yet wow but if they could maybe they made a bunch of these generators or mass produce them i mean this one this story feels very sci-fi to me like a lot of the stuff we do here is very futurist but this one feels like that intangible sci-fi kind of yeah it's like it's like this could be the way i think you know what this already kind of reminds me of was like you see like i'm watching all the stargate lately and stuff they just wave their hands over like a door and it just opens up maybe you just wave it over and the and like the lights on and then it senses that shadow and that energizes the door to go wink and so you just kind of go and wave your hand over the door and then you can go in I mean, yeah. yeah i just thought i didn't think about that until right now because you said sci-fi stuff good one because you're right but maybe you could use that with your car thing somehow well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> maybe they put them on the bottom of your car where there's always shadow or somehow they deploy and half is in the light, half is not. Well, you could cover the interior of your car so that when you're driving around and the shadow is interacting with the interior. That's true. Like It's just constantly shadow would be constantly moving. Maybe that'd just be exciting these electrons and forming some sort of current. Obviously, it wouldn't be a for lack of a better return, a fuck ton. Uh, but it would be, <laughs> but it would be, uh, it'd be something. We could run watches on it. Two seconds later. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're back. So you heard about the um, SpaceX launch recently, right? I did. I did hear about it. And, and it was successful, right? Yes, yes. They brought people, <laughs> they brought astronauts to the uh, International Space Station. And in doing awesome. so, they became the first private company to put a person in orbit, mm-hmm. which is so that's great. That's a great achievement. Yeah, that's a huge step. Um, <clears throat> did you happen to notice the snazzy outfits they were wearing? I was asleep when it was happening, so I didn't actually watch it live, so I did not see the outfits. All right, I'll give you guys a second. Go ahead and Google uh, SpaceX spacesuit or spacex uniform spacex outfit oh it looks like daft punk oh <laughs> oh sure it looks like some like a tv show that's hilarious okay so i've seen them now yes yeah so they're super streamlined uh they're very snazzy and make sure you got an official picture with like you know uh the person in it and whatnot i see a lot of artist renderings here of what they could look like but there's only one official one yeah, no, it's pretty snazzy looking. Yeah, it so looks like it's not bulky. Yes, right. There's not a lot of tubes hanging off of it. I love the helmet because it's very streamlined. It doesn't. It's not just a big dome on someone's head anymore. Hmm. So these outfits uh, were designed with a very specific purpose. So uh, it looks sexy. Elon Musk, founder of SpaceX. He was quoted as saying, uh, anyone looks better in a tux, no matter what size or shape they are. And when people put this suit on, he wants them to look better than they did without it. So almost look heroic. Look heroic, yeah. And so to do that, he actually tapped the designer, um, a Hollywood uh, costume designer, to help design Uh these suits. No, I believe it. They, like I said, they look like it's right out of like some futuristic, like Star Trek, Star Wars, Stargate, right? some starry. Yeah, essentially it, tapping into that nostalgia factor we have for it. Uh, so the designer's name is Jose Fernandez, and he has designed um, costumes from Wonder Woman, Captain America, Batman, X Men, Thor, and Loki. I wonder what the difference is. Like though they're. Because you see the old ones, I'm assuming they have a lot of ox. I always assume they're carrying a lot of oxygen and shit, and that's why they're so bulky. So that one's so streamlined. I'm wondering where the, all the the oxygen well, is. Well, I just pulled up an interesting picture that that lists out a bullet points of all the features of it. You guys want to hear them? Yeah. yeah. 3D printed spacesuit helmet, touchscreen compatible gloves, flame resistant outer layer, hearing protection during ascent and reentry single connection point between the suit and vehicle and heel sliders that will secure secure your feet into the footrest. Oh. So this thing How do you breathe in them? How long does that last? <laughs> like this so, <laughs> so no streamlined. It looks like you could breathe for 10 minutes in this. Well, that's what I'm guessing is meant by the single connection point to the vessel. 
Maybe that's where in a catastrophic failure it gets its oxygen and whatnot. So maybe there is some sort of other backpack attachment or possibility. There's like a backpack we're not seeing. Yeah. That's full of full of air or something. Because again, these are the launch suits. They're not necessarily the spacewalk suits. Right? True. Like, I'm sure true. in catastrophic vacuum failure, these things could protect you for a while, but you know, depending on life support systems around you. No, for sure. I, I can see like people on Mars wearing those suits, and that's when they they encounter the alien. Like, hey, halt in the name of America. <laughs> it does look very, it does look very movie ish, right? So, uh, the article I read went on to list some of Jose Fernandez's other achievements as far as designing costumes and whatnot, and I love mm. these. Um, in X Men Two, he designed Wolverine's you know leather outfit. Do you recall the oh, early okay. X-Men outfits, how they were just like pure b- motorcycle leather? Yeah. So he designed an outfit for X-Men 2 that allowed Hugh Jackman to walk upstairs by himself. Well, that's how tight they were in the first one. They couldn't even right? bend them. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was a trip. Like, really? That's an accomplishment? Like. That is the crazy. that is the movie magic we don't think about in those movies, right? Like those guys. Like I know, remember in Christian Bale's one, like in Batman Begins, he could barely move his head, and then I remember that was a big deal in the second one. We're like, I can move my head now. Well, like, and so you're absolutely right because the way they used to make those suits, uh, Batman Begins, and then most of the Batman films before that, you know, Adam West is fabric so that wasn't a problem but uh, the way they made those other rubber suits was just pure rubber and if you look at their Batman's necks in most of them he's like a panther it's just fucking muscle and so it was yeah, impossible he has like weird rigid back where he's like that way and points his chest and everything <laughs> yeah. Can't turn his... <laughs> my... yeah that heroic look yeah my favorite is when he has to turn around and look up and it's like the whole body moves and then the and, like, and then tilts backwards <laughs> like he's <laughs> And so you're right. In um, in Batman 2, they gave him that plated armor. Or in uh, The Dark Knight, they gave him that plated armor that allowed uh, more dexterity in the neck. Mm-hmm. But this guy also uh, worked on the Ben Affleck Batman suit and also touted the idea that he could move his neck in that. And that was like a pretty beefy suit, too. So, Yeah. Fun materials. That is sick, though. Actually, it was fun. I didn't really know that much about this. I like, saw the pictures of the suits, but I didn't really kind of absorb it. So now looking at them now, I'm like, oh, those are kind of schnazzy. Yeah, they're very designed. Where I think NASA's space suits were really based in engineering and function over fashion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now when you die in space, you're going to look good. You're going to look good, girl. And have no oxygen, that's for sure. Um, I was reading something really interesting about, I love this term, biofabrication technology. Okay, so biofabrication technology. I feel like we that that could encompass a lot of things like growing a, uh, a piece of meat in a Petri dish or an ear on a mouse. It probably can, honestly. Okay. But here's how, here's how it is here. It's like a scientist created fully functional mini livers. And by these mini livers, I mean they're human. They're human mini livers uh and they made them out of human cells and then they successfully transplanted them into rats okay and and they worked okay and they worked too (laughs) maybe i should say that and they worked so they made many human livers and then transplanted them into rats you heard that right huh mini human livers (laughs) that's so i I had to keep saying it to myself like human mini liver human mini liver Okay, what's the ultimate goal here, Dr. Frankenstein? What are we doing? Just to to do it. Uh, Well, actually, it kind of is just to do it. It, It's a proof of concept that they could just do it. And um, and they wanted to see basically that you could make a whole organ that can be functional out of one cell of the skin. This is from a skin cell. So they grew it, right? They didn't necessarily assemble it with some sort of machine or... Well, actually, it sounds like they did assemble it. Like again, back to like what we did earlier, where I'm going to read you the paragraph of like the behind the curtain of what they did. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't think you're going to get it. I don't, I don't get it, but here's what they did. All right, okay, I'm focusing so, this but, time. But, oh yeah, but it, it sounds like already that it was like a big fabrication. It wasn't just like growing it. But um, so they took skin cells from a group of humans, obviously, and then they reprogrammed these human scale the skin cells into induced 
pretty potent stem cells. So they made them into stem cells using various transcription factors. Next, oh. they guided them. <laughs> yes. Next, they guided those stem cells to, to become various types of liver cells and then seeded those human liver cells into liver scaffolds. Okay. Rat liver scaffolds, actually, to be that. So the, and the rat livers with their own cells were removed. So they basically took a rat liver, took all the rat cells out, and it was like a scaffolding. Uh-huh. And then they put all these human liver stem cell bullshit in there, and it grew into like a, a, a rat-sized liver made out of human cells. Okay. I think I can rat, wrap my head around the generals of that. I'm not going to tell you how to recode anything, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know how they forced to do this and stuff. And eh, so it, okay. took them, it took them under a month to grow the mini livers. In, it, took them, it took them under a month to grow them in a bioreactor. And so the, when the they implant... <laughs> bioreactors. Bi- our biosensors are going off. Like They just put bio in front of everything. Biofabrication technology. So they grew them in a bioreactor. What was your question? Well, I've, I've got I've got stories about scientists and their wacky words. I'll, I'll share that one after. But for now, okay. my question was, uh, so if they – okay. If they determine that, uh, let's say, a moose has the most efficient lungs, they could technically remove oh, a human's lungs, de- uh, deconstruct it down to the scaffolding. And then reprogram it with moose lungs. <laughs> I love where your head's going on this. And give way. a human I, like I, I, yes. excellent, excellent uh, lung capacity. Yes. And no, that is amazing. Actually, I really love that. Like, yeah, maybe uh, they figure out moose lungs are more efficient. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they take in more oxygen or something. So somehow we have to keep the person alive while their lungs are dissolved. But. Da. If, da. if science but, is amazing, yeah, whatever, whatever. But if we could do that, though, that'd be pretty sick. Well, I mean, so I see that as one possible application for this, or for instance, maybe a <laughs> transplant. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's for. It's, it's for organ transplants. That's basically what it is for. Like the yeah. rest of the article kind of talks about, you know, all people with liver problems and stuff, and how this could really help making new livers for transplants instead of just like waiting for someone to die type of deal. And so back to the mice. So what they did is they transplanted these mini lab grown livers into five mice. And these mice were bred to be immunosuppressed. So that means they were probably not going to reject it. Okay. And then uh, four days later they dissected them and uh, to see how well it worked. So yeah, they died. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering how long they lived, though. Like, did they leave one alive just to see how long it could live with this human liver inside it? They never do that in these stories. Have you noticed? They, they, they're, like, always afraid of what it what it could do or create uh-huh. or something. So they're always, like, they just always kill them really quick. And Okay. So in all the cases, though, so blood flow problems had developed within around the, the graft. They're calling it like a graft. But still, the, the mini livers worked. And it was proven by the fact that the rats had human liver proteins in their blood serum. And the mini livers secreted bile acids and urea just like a normal liver would. So it, for all intents and purposes, worked. And then they, you know, it, s- it sounds like they still don't have the kinks because they said there's like some blood weird, but what they just said. But um, they had the long term goal is to create organs that can replace, you know, organ donation. But what's cool is he said maybe in the near future, this could maybe bridge that, that gap because. Maybe instead of, if people's livers are all fucked up, maybe instead of growing a new one, they can like kind of give it a graft of some of these cells and maybe either repair it or keep it going long enough to get to the transplant type of deal. Right. And so, so drink up because this so this proves we can do it. <laughs> gonna, so don't, don't put all caution to the wind. And in like 10 years, everything you've ever had wrong with you will be fixed. Even though we've been saying that since yeah. our, our old show and we see how far we've really come. Yeah, that. for sure. <laughs> Even back then, it was like ten years ago. It's always like in two years we're getting AIs. You know it. Yeah, that uh, that gives me hope. I'm still holding out for the cholesterol scraping robots. That's that's my real savior. Yeah, that'd be great. So I mean, you're talking about scientists using all sorts of buzzwords, and like we like we say, dark matter, right? That's our buzzword for when. Any astrophysicist doesn't know how to explain something. It's always dark matter. Yeah. Dark matter. Yeah, dark matter. Oh, it works. Sure there's so, dark matter and all the stuff we talked about. A little, a little bit of dark matter mixed in there. That's why this headline caught my attention. 
Sometimes, excuse me, scientists sometimes conceal a lack of knowledge with vague words. Oh, <laughs> I believe it. That's our show, too, frankly. Well, <laughs> for we sure. Just, we at least say it, though. I think it's like, we're like, hey, we don't know what we're talking about. Anyway, versus <laughs> at, least, at least instead of pretending we know what we're talking about. So uh, I read this article just as like, you know, well, of course, duh. And it's like three pages long. And it's one of the thickest articles I have in my stack here. But it all really boils down to the definition of words and how we can't, how scientists. Semantic. Well, scientists can't really agree on certain definitions of words. <clears throat> For sure. For instance, one of their uh, one of the ones they come back to a lot is atom, a t o m. What's the definition of what an atom is? Yeah, because it was invented by the ancient Greeks. Yeah, the ancient Greeks, and um, they used How did it. They invented items. Well, atoms. No, they invented the word atom. And their word oh. for atom, or their definition for atom, was the smallest piece that anything could be cut into. Okay. Right? And so, if we just follow that definition, technically, now, as far as we know in science, it's an atom. Yeah. As we know, but you can with even, electrons but and there, blah, blah, blah. Can't you, like, cut even atoms up now? Right? You're talking about um, quarks, you know, the thing beyond atoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, and right beyond that is where Ant Man goes, right? In the the quantum burst. Yes, yeah, subatomic. Yeah, subatomic. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So uh, they use atoms as you know a, a constantly changing scientific definition, but something else they mention here that I think harkens back to you and I is the word life. They can't define what life is. It is a slippery slope because when you start defining it, a lot of things start reaching that definition. And then like, well, but that's not it. Do you remember any of the specifics of what some people say constitute uh, life? Uh, let's see. I, I think it has to uh, ingest food, possibly. Like it has to somehow ingest food. Uh, okay. It has to like has to like not want to die. It has to like want to replicate. Yeah, some of the other or ones are yeah, breeding, um, fear of death, uh, consuming, and so you know by some of these definitions, fire meets mm-hmm. you know the qualifications for life, and by some of them, a mule doesn't because a mule cannot reproduce, yet it is born, and most people would say they're alive for sure, because then it's back to the whole ro- robot stuff. And that was my next thought. Yeah, it robots. Well, the term AI, that's being thrown around all the time right now. And in reality, I don't think we're using it correctly. What do you mean? What? I think... Oh, for sure. I mean, we say AI, but really it's like, it's not real. Are you saying like, when you think of AI, you think of like an actual artificial intelligence? Well, define that because you can't use the, the word in the definition. Well, if you say if I say AI, I really think like an artificial intelligence on par with a human. But a lot of people when say AI, they're talking about like video games, like oh, the AI is you know really dumb or the so. On some ways, so you can almost define AI as just a computer making decisions. But since I watch so much sci-fi, when I hear the word AI, I think of like a robot, like Data. Yeah, a conscious, Star Trek. a conscious, yes. self-aware robot or Being program or what have you. Entity. And so that's why when, uh, you know, you, you hear, I think we did a story um, a while ago on an AI that, I don't know, sorts beans or some shit. Who knows? But mm-hmm. just the idea that these things are learning machines and they can adapt and whatnot, I don't think qualifies them as an AI. I think that's just a really smart, well-developed program. A learning computer. Yeah. But it's not that's necessarily. An LC. It's an LC. Learning computer. An LC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It should just be an LC. Yeah. yeah. I like that That term. makes more sense, actually. Actually, I like it, too, because a computer can learn, but it's not going to be like this, you know, omnipresent, going to kill Skynet, kill everyone. It just it just learns a little bit. Learns learns what we like. I mean, YouTube does that already. That Like, it learns the algorithm, right? They always call it the algorithm. Oh, the algorithm. Yeah. The algorithm. So I think we need to redefine that word and wait for it to be self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm all for AI rights. Trust me. Trust me. Because when I get my robot girlfriend, I want to be, I want to be able to marry that lady. <laughs> marry her. So, how many miles did you walk through that desert barefoot? By the way, three. Three miles. Three. Why? Yeah. Why? Why were you doing that? My bike broke down. Uh huh. The tire. Uh huh. Like I was pedaling, and then the tire flew off, and so I had to walk to the nearest uh, gas station to borrow their bike. <laughs> Touche. We're doing improv games, by the way, audience. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, speaking that was of a lie. <laughs> Speaking of walking barefoot, uh, a British charity called Codwell Charity is organizing a Lego walk. Ooh. A Lego walk. Right? But it's not for distance. You're going to be walking barefoot over a couple yards of Legos. Isn't that like torture in certain countries? Ah. See, I think I could do it. I think I could make it. I mean, I could do it, but it sounds like pure hell on earth. All right, what do you guys think? They're going to die. What do you two think the Guinness World Record is for walking over two inches of Legos? Excuse me, Lego. Say, can you repeat that for me? What is the world record of length for walking over two inches of Lego? Uh, I would say... It was achieved by Sonny Molina from Illinois, USA. 50 feet. I'm going to say. All right, Mr. E? I'm going to say 100 yards. 100 yards. Could you break that Yard. down to feet for me? What is that, 300 yeah. feet? Okay. <laughs> you are both way under. It's 12,696 feet. How many is that? How many miles is that then at that point? I don't know. That's like... You said 1,200? 12, excuse me, 12,696 feet. How many, yeah, how many miles? Do the conversion. Conversion noise. <laughs> okay, so there's... Am I muted still? No, I'm good. Okay, so there's 5,280 feet in one mile. See? So that would be just short of... Or just over two miles. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I, 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 when he first asked the question, I was like, I'm not going to say miles. Because, like, like, how would you do that? It's like, actually like, 2.4 miles. How do you that do something like ridiculous. that? Did he just go back and forth on it? Is that what he did? Probably, yeah. That's I mean, he wouldn't lame. think that I wouldn't think. I guess that's true. I never thought about that. Because at first I was like, oh, man. Made like, a circuit. I yeah. was thinking like he's going around a track and someone's like constantly pouring in front of him. And people like <laughs> constantly grabbing the, the trail. Like, oh, keep it in front of them. But yeah, that makes more sense. So uh, you... If you participate in this, which, by the way, it's in the UK somewhere, so we're probably out. But if you participate Man. in this, you will watch a, I think, like 30-minute training video from uh, UK Firewalkers and how they suppress the pain of walking over hot coals and different te- techniques they use. What for? For charity. Oh, oh, worth it. Just, <laughs> I, I have my own charity. I'm going, it's called, like, waterboarding for, uh, for orphans. We, we waterboard people and just see like two minutes. Keep going for charity. It's for the orphans. Like, I think I could totally do this. Five minutes. Oh yeah, you can do it. I think I could. Five. I really do. Five minutes for the orphans. Okay. I could go two point five miles. You should crawl <laughs> for the longest record. Crawl. I like yeah, that because that's 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 more surface area. Like barefoot too. So even your toes, knees, and hands. Are just being under constant attack. <laughs> Tell you what, why don't we just sprinkle them in a field and then you just drag me through them by a horse? What do you think? So just kick me in the balls, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Here's my wallet. Here you go. <laughs> so wait, Sean, like, how long have you been an astronomer studying the galaxy? Oh, over a decade now. Okay, cool. Because like I want to talk to you about something that's right up your alley. Oh, cool. Evidently, they just found the uh, oldest disk galaxy that has yet to be formed, and it's uh, 12 billion years old. Yeah, I already knew that. I'm an astronomer. I know, I know. But I'm gonna let's <laughs> let's, let's educate the people about it. Okay. Um, which is really cool about this. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. Um, but 
so right now, I think the, we, the age of the universe is about 13.8 billion years ago. So this means that this disc-shaped galaxy formed just about 1.5 billion years ago. Ooh. And why, why is that important? It's because, well, that's important because they think like the, like the Milky Way and stuff. I didn't get the exact number, but they, they feel like they formed between 3 or 4 billion years after the Big Bang. And so that means this thing was formed way, way earlier. And so this is really surprising to them because they thought things this early, the, the galaxy they'd see would be more blob-like. Something to do with the gases, like the gases can't escape, so all the galaxies should be blob-like. Wait, wait. But this shoe proves it's not that way. But yeah. Clarify something for me. This is a young galaxy, right? No, it's old. Oh, it's a very it old formed, galaxy. It was, yeah, it was formed 1.5 billion years after the Big Bang. After the Big Bang. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that means it's actually a really, wow. really old galaxy. But the fact that it's like a disc-shaped one, very similar to the Milky Way, they even say it kind of looked like it could have like spirals and shit. And so this means this, this, this formed that long ago. Like, so there's a galaxy out there that's 12 billion years old versus ours. Let's say ours was made 4 billion after the Big Bang. Four, so ours is like maybe 9 billion, maybe 8, 9 billion years old. So that means this one's older. So I'm kind of – so that's interesting already because this just proves this theory out there that was wrong about how, how old they could form and stuff. But I already went the whole aliens route where this means there's this ancient galaxy that's been long out there for like billions of years longer than ours has even been. So, that, so if any aliens existed from that area, it would be like some ancient super alien thing. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Well, shit. In order to be an ancient super alien, you need to survive, what, 4.4 or how uh how old is this thing? Technically, it's like 13 billion years old or something. I mean, I guess everything's in the universe is 13.8 billion because that's yeah. when everything was okay. created. But it's more about when it was formed. It yeah. was formed like so, so long ago. So. 12.3 billion years old. So they got like two or three billion years over us. Like, I don't know how long it took yeah. to make us, you know, Earth and stuff. But whatever happened here happened there quicker, faster, possibly. Because if it's a galaxy, you'd think there'd be planets and stuff. So over billions of years, they'd be also forming their own bullshit. So the fact that these things – and that's just one, you know, galaxy they found. So that means if this trend continues, which now it's proved it is, there could be all sorts of even more galaxies out there. Even though there's a bajillion galaxies out there already, now we know there's even a bajillion more that are at least kind of dis-shaped. And we know at least one dis-shaped one made us. So more aliens, hopefully more aliens. My big takeaway from that is the age of the universe. I didn't know it was 13.8 is what we suspect because our sun oh, yeah. is like 4.6 or something billion years old. So oh, yeah. I, I think that's, we've, that's, we've, we've actually talked about this before on uh, uh, the dubious bakery show. Oh. Uh, a long time ago, there was one of our big, that was a big story of ours. was like following the age of the universe. And I think back then it was 3.7. And I mean, 13.7. And I remember looking it up late. It says they hit, they, it's 13.8. No. <laughs> we just hit the eight. Happy birthday, yeah, universe. I know, I know right? <laughs> so, uh, NASA, as if we're not fucking sick of, uh, being quarantined here, NASA is looking for participants to isolate in a Russian lab for eight months. I always hear about those things. I bet you I could do that. Seriously? Well, yeah, actually, we were just talking about you off air and how uh, you just recently had to gas up your car after how long? It's been a while. I mean, yeah, just yeah, I just basically been staying home really hardcore with the, with the. It's been like maybe a month, like maybe a month. I'm just not going much. Not like my I have grocery stores like right down the street and stuff, so I don't really need to venture out much. So yeah, I, I was like, I was tripping out. Like I was at the gas station, like wow, I haven't been here in a, a minute. I bet you could survive in this as far as the isolation yeah. goes. I don't know about the rest of it. If you didn't have video games and well, I mean, yeah, like, cause I want to know more about it. Cause first of all, I want to know the pay. Cause if, if I do this whole thing for eight months and I only get like what, $5,000 of the whole thing, that's not worth it. Like that's not, that's not worth that. But if it's a good paycheck, maybe. And then, yeah. Do you get to read books and stuff or you have to sit there like alone looking at the wall? Well, that's participants will be compensated and, that will vary depending on whether you're associated with NASA and, you know, whatever your other qualifications are. Fuck them. What you, what, what, <laughs> so I have to have some NASA, th- NASA degree, stay in a room. Well, hang on. Hey, how dare you get indignant? You don't even qualify for this, all right? You're, you don't I even know, qualify. I, I probably do. What are the qualifications? 
healthy individuals. Oh, check. Okay, you're right. I'm out. <laughs> right. So, the first I'm out. two words. <laughs> I'm out. Between the ages of 30 and 55. I got okay. I could probably do that part. Who are fluent in both English and Russian? So there, no problem. <laughs> Keep going. Who has a uh, a master's, a PhD, or is a medical doctor? As long as there's no follow up questions, then yes, yes, I have all those degrees. <laughs> or have completed military officer training. Well, they need a control too. They should have one guy who doesn't have all that. Just see, Joe the plumber. Yeah, fucking Joe the Plumber. Frankly, if this was a sci-fi show, Joe the Plumber would be the one who saved the day. It's always these – you see all this shit. It's always like, oh, I'm going to fix the day on the space station. Then Joe the Plumber is like, I use my my plunger of skills and throws it in there and then saves the day. And you know, I don't think that's how – I don't think that's how it went down in Apollo 13. Yeah, no. They were all plumbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I missed it. that. It Was that cut? It, man. That like, was in the director's the, cut? All, this, all the astronauts were like – Oh, how do we go up there? We're, we're, uh, this plumber's like, no, I got this instead. <laughs> no. no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, right there, you don't qualify. And then, uh, so if you volunteer for my things either. <laughs> anyway, if, yeah. If you volunteer for this, you're going to be shipped off to a lab in Moscow. And uh, you're going to be sequestered with a couple other people. And this is uh, actually piggybacking on a four-month study back in 2019, the good old days, where um, two Americans and four Russians just stayed in a habitat for four months studying the effect. And this is all, pardon me, trying to build up to um, landing people on the moon. Yeah, and eventually to Mars, too, because so far, even with all our technology, it's going to take a long time to get there. So I guess they're trying to study just how people do or do not go crazy. They should just have a lot of TV shows. That's how that's how I do it. Ah. I, I'm just such, I'm such a TV show guy. I think you're right. It's TV shows and porn. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. They should just give them all fleshlights. And then they just eject the fleshlights out of, out into space <laughs> when they're done. <laughs> They'll Maybe burn up in the atmosphere. They, yeah, they either burn up in the atmosphere or they'll seed life perhaps throughout the galaxy one day. No, but on a serious note, I was uh, listening to something the other day and it was talking about how there was a, um, a, a marked – uh, digression. What am I trying to say? A marked uh, degradation of violence based on the amount of free porn available on the internet. Like now that we can see and study the last two, three decades, there's a correlation there. As soon as porn hit, like aggression went down. Yeah, for sure. So that makes a lot of sense because everyone's all full of piss and vigor. Like what? 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 <laughs> So that's crazy. Just a bunch of fapping and schlicking going on in that eight month thing. It's like prison, dude. You should just give all them porn. Fuck. Yeah. Ugh. God damn. Anyways. No, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. They should I guess. They should give them one porn terminal. Yeah. Just one. Just one. Yeah. Hmm. And then they all fight over it and stuff and, and like People kill each other over the porn terminal and like time. It's <laughs> your idea, fucker. This is your idea. You want to give the porn to them. I'm just letting I'm you like, explore it, pal. I know. Well, you're the one who wants to try to give them the what? Do you want to give them all magazines individually? Who's going to clean that jizz mess up? One section in the shower is the is the jerk section. And then the and everyone would be like, don't you fucking jizz on the keyboard or I'll kill you. I will kill you. So I'm just wondering – I'm just wondering how long it would last before it became a shank or a weapon, you know? <laughs> Without the keyboard? Yeah, like someone would rig it to like electrocute someone using it. It'd probably well, be hacked too. They'd, they'd be using it. You know what would be funny? People like, I, I'm getting words that people are using the porn computer for non-porn activities. This isn't to talk to your families, all right? This is to watch <laughs> hardcore porn and that's it. Stop hacking into it and going to like Skype and shit and talking to your stupid kids. All right, stop that. I mean, these are all good ideas. I don't know why we're not running NASA. Uh, yeah, I, I know. NASA needs us. That's why they need one of us in there, too. All these, you think these guys with the master's degrees are having this conversation? No. Learn, learn Russian, bro. Learn Russian. That's all it takes. Could, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, and you got to get a master's in something. Just some stuff. Like, as, as long as no one questions me, it'll be good. Because. Like even on the Russian thing, they said they have to speak Russian and English. So hey, I'll be the one guy who only speaks English. Evidently, the Russian guys will have to know English. So I'll go. I'll go. Okay, I'll learn something. 
They should study how long someone takes to learn Russian in a space environment. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. (laughs) Goodbye. Y'all come back now, you hear? Y'all come back now. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore podcast, and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app. 